0: in my previous apartment now it's like uh i have a giant window but it's so far away and it's all like yeah. the sun is down so it does not yeah and it's,
1: and it's uh it's dark now so you got you got like the whole movie setup going on
0: behind oh you. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah backlight and everything hair lights i think they call it
1: yeah, yeah 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 uh okay so um today i just wanted to you know just talk about what it's like uh for you and your journey and uh, i also share my own journey on how like we got into becoming uh design doctors and what what does that mean how do you how do you define that so um amazing yeah why don't you start
0: yeah i made some notes okay uh i like i like being prepared but the mm-hmm. notes are mainly for uh, they are about the design uh, phd thing i guess it's so the story is not in the notes but i can improvise it i guess of course, of course. yeah yeah <laughs> um i think uh i basically always wanted to be a designer since i was like maybe born even or even like when i started making sense of the world yeah uh, the interesting thing is that i it, it took many many years until i found out that there are such things as designers like i didn't know that that existed so mm. When I was like five, I wanted to be a scientist. Because I thought that scientists are the people who invent things and make things. Yeah. You know, like uh, you know, in Back to the Future, like there's the, the, the doctor, yeah, Doctor Brown. Brown. Is, it, yeah. is it Brown? Yeah, Doc yeah. Brown. He's the one who like makes like the cool looking time machine out of the sports car and everything. So yeah. that's what I kinda of wanted to be. Um, then I found out that there are such people uh, uh, as engineers. Because my cousin was married to a computer engineer. Mm-hmm. So I found out about that and I found out about other kinds of engineering. And I was like, yeah, I want to be an engineer then, because that's the people who invent the things and they make the things. Yeah. And then, uh, it so was only when I actually...
1: yeah, so you said, you said you wanted, you, you wanted to become an engineer, but, uh, and that was, you were, where were you growing up at the time? Uh, in Istanbul. In istanbul so in turkey so yeah. i i was like across the border from you uh i was growing up in fact uh was <laughs> wow. re- really neat um so in, in your culture i know in my culture is like any um we, we all grow up and the top sort of destination everything that we're aiming for is becoming hmm. a medical doctor um, <laughs> or an then, engineer or, or an engineer yes exactly we, we
0: have that saying in turkey it's it's like a really traditional thing where, where the families always want their daughters to be married to a doctor or an engineer exactly uh and, or, or a think lawyer you and i are like, both that's nice of, yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh uh
1: so was engineer always uh you know regarded or revered as as the same caliber as a doctor so was it always doctor or engineer or was there like uh um like like a a separation and or or a difference when you were growing up
0: no i think i mean like there's these old kind of traditional people you know who sort of uh, have want to have like a a proper life for their families and Mm -hmm. the doctor and the engineer are like the two careers that are Appreciated in the family. Right. <laughs> That's always the case. I mean, I, I don't know about your family. My family was not like super traditional. Yeah, mine neither. Uh, yeah, but still, it's the whole culture of a whole exactly. country. You know, millions of people uh, believing in certain things. Basically, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You're you're within a society where it's like, you know, your parents they want the best for you, but then also, you know, there is that whole society of like, oh, what would they think? And yeah. you know, because you're you you like you're willingly not wanting to be a doctor that's a, a thing of like that's interesting you know
0: yeah i mean yeah. it's different lives like i think my parents were certainly aware that being a doctor and being an engineer or being i don't know what accountant or whatever yeah. these are entirely different lifestyles and suits for different kinds of people yeah so i i never had that kind of uh, any kind of like influence or they never tried to convince me to be anything in particular yeah uh, but this was just like this creative like urge this addiction to mm-hmm. like make things and yeah create uh, which could be anything like i did music for a while I, I i had a band that we released an album with uh that is has always okay been a, what, like, what's the band year. and
1: can we find you on
0: spotify uh, yeah sure it's called mr mina Mister. and we released like one one record wow from like uh at least five years ago this was when i was a grad student what, what did you play did you sing i played the bass guitar okay yeah but i play a lot of things i play the guitar nice. the drums um i just get together with friends and then yeah. whatever instrument no one else is playing i just pick it up <laughs> wow or i used to i don't do it so much anymore
1: i'm so envious because i'm like very rhythmically challenged like at, at home oh, really? like my wife has um yeah, she has she has a guitar and then uh for her latest birthday when we moved to New york I got her a uh i got her a piano um and you know she she plays both a little bit she's learning trying to learn the guitar, but i like cannot oh, wow. yeah you know I think it's just like a it's like a practice thing i don't have i don't have the patience That's to practice something.
0: I, I thought everyone from the Middle East was supposed to be like rhythmically, adept, you know, like polyrhythms <laughs> yeah. and all I can that.
1: kind of hold my own dance wise, <laughs> but like just playing something. It's just like, it doesn't sound the same as in my head. So I just ah. like quit on it. Uh, I, I guess I just need to be like more patient.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ooh, so yeah, yeah, that's back, like you know, part of my story, but how about yours? Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, I sort of like you grew up like fascinated by making things. So like um, i always w- was the like a, the, a very artistic kid um, and like uh, in, in, in art class, I like was always, you know, my, my artwork was was shown off, um not for being the most technical, but for being the most creative. So and by that, I mean, like taking an idea and approaching it in a, in a different way. And that's, I think, what creativity is. It's like, you know, taking a different perspective, putting your own spin on things. Um, n- there are not a lot of things that are like, you know, brand new, because even in art class, we we're all, you know, we had an assignment, we we're all supposed to draw the same thing. But I always try to find that, you know, what is my own unique flavor of this thing? How do I how do I make it my own? Um, wow. And yeah, yeah and i've always like was fascinated with with the process of creation of like i have this mental image of something and how do i make it into a reality to translate it to to others so um we have family uh in syria so i'm like i'm half iraqi half syrian and they had okay. um before everything that happened unfortunately they had uh clothing factories and they had like um uh, contracts with Disney and Adidas and Everlast and whatever to like manufacture clothes for them. Um, wow. And I remember, like, as uh, when I was six years old, I was like uh, on on the kitchen on the kitchen table. We're, you know, Middle Eastern families we love sitting in the kitchen, yeah. uh, and we had a giant kitchen table. And I used to like wake up early in the morning, grab a whole bunch of paper, like scrap paper, and um, and and my big bag of colors, and I would just like design t-shirts and design clothes uh, oh,
0: wow!
1: yeah uh and uh like uh, also like when i was did you get
0: any of them produced
1: uh i don't think so i mean they took it <laughs> and they're like yeah well, we'll get, we're gonna get that made but it was just like a little bit out of there uh a, a little bit out there because like i would just you know um again just like putting my own spin on it i would just like make t-shirts that are like had like different length of sleeve and whatever and they were like not mm-hmm. really standard they were more like custom pieces and they're like oh yeah this looks amazing we'll, we'll get it done whatever and they're like no we just make like the same t-shirt we just print different things on it um wow. yeah uh also we were like expanding our house when i was like in the fifth grade and um we we're talking about like what kind of expansion do we, we want to make to the second floor um and i remember i drew i basically drew the floor plan i was looking at our, our original floor plans and like looking at it and learning how um how things are drawn like what what does it mean to have a, a window here what how do you represent that how do you represent the wow. wall how do you represent how old are you door? then door uh I would say fifth grade was at 10, 10 years old or something like that. Wow. Cool. Yeah and and I like drew up the expansion plans that the architect actually like took and then just like implemented those. So I've always been fascinated with that. But like I said I was yeah, like so cool grew up in a, in a, in a family where like medicine was a big thing.
0: Um,
1: like, so, um, my, my uncle was doctor and, and a dentist, my grandfather, who was like the sort of like the matriarch of the entire family. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, um, like, like we all grew up in his house. Uh, he had a big business of like, uh, selling medical supplies. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so he was like, basically like the big role model for all of us. So we all wanted to follow in his footsteps. Um, until I like moved to the States where, you know, I started college, uh, I started in community college actually. And, um, uh, I was doing pre-med and I wanted to, and I was, you know, as I was like learning more about how to get into the medical system here, uh, in the States. And it's, you know, you do four years of pre, uh, of pre-med or whatever college degree you want, and then you go to med school and spend four year, oh, yeah. years there. Um, so they're like, I was talking to my counselor, um, and, I was, and they were like, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta declare a major, whatever it is. So I, I thought I was being smart and, uh, I was like, okay, I don't want to be in debt when I go to med school. Cause like, that's a big thing. I don't have, you know, uh, wealth or anything to, um, uh, to, to put myself through med school. So I'm gonna, I lo- I really love computers. So I'm gonna uh, major in computer science. So I work as a programmer at night while wow. during the day going to med school. And that was a oh, horrible. wow.
0: That is so smart.
1: <laughs> no, it was not. It was a horrible thing. <laughs> Cause like, uh, the workload was, was so hard, like, you know, doing like, uh, data structures and heavy, uh, calculus and also trying to do oh, yeah. organic chem in the same, in the same semester, I like ended up, you know, uh, Crashing and burning. So I uh, wow. I transitioned into information systems. And that's really when I started to take design more seriously. I had I had like I had the idea of being a designer, like sort of as an abstract, but I didn't really have a definition for it. Um mm-hmm. so when I found a a major where I can think about technology from the perspective of the people because that was a thing that I didn't really enjoy being a computer scientist it was all about mm-hmm. making the code run it, it wasn't about you know what do we do with technology uh, so when I when I found a major that introduced that personal aspect to it that's when it sort of clicked for me I was like oh that's that's really interesting well, uh, yeah so when I'm, I
0: found out about it I think I was in high school yeah. But it wasn't in school that I found out about, like, the, the concept of, you know, being a designer and doing yeah. design and everything. I, I think uh, I think it was when my when my parents bought the new apartment and were moving, okay, so, you know, we have stuff from the old apartment and some stuff is coming in. And, and we're also buying some new stuff because this is the first time they have bought an apartment. They were living in rentals before, so the stuff was maybe, yeah. like, a little less sort of considered or... Uh, uh, cared for and now they're like buying new stuff and we're going to like furniture stores and looking at stuff and i'm just realizing because i'm very young like i don't know like the sort of uh, some things are status symbols or whatever i have no idea right so i'm just like observing that some objects are just receiving more care yeah like more consideration some of them are obviously more expensive some of them are like fancy looking you know just you can because you can tell by the way that something looks that it's sort of well made and everything yeah. and i asked my mom like what is this like why is this you know more important than the other thing and she was like that is design and i'm like oh shit. <laughs> wow that's what i want to do <laughs> you know because like it's, it's kind of like about care for me. Like design is, is always about putting care into things, whatever it is that you're making. You know, it could be yeah. software, it could be a piece of furniture, uh, but that's the, the, the care factor. That's what makes a difference for me. And that's what I kind of wanted to have in my work, in my general life as well, I guess, from that point onwards.
1: Right. Um. So, so how would you now de- define design? Like if you were to like put on a definition for it, and how does that relate to sort of like your, your journey to like getting going into and getting the PhD?
0: Yeah, I'm realizing now that there are a lot of different kind of branches of design and they all have their own traditions and their own language and their own uh, definite even like activities of like some kinds of designers work with their hands a lot and yep. they draw and they uh, sketch and, uh, and and they do things. But when I design, for example, I work with code. Like, I I call myself a designer because I produce designs, but when I produce designs, it's more often using uh, either, you know, like front-end uh, design on, on a website or something like that, or it's co- some kind of document design where I'm working with uh, a complicated software to make it happen, yeah. uh, you know, it could be like, in design or Figma or, or whatever, but it's, so it's kind of like editorial document design, or um, I do interaction design projects where things are moving around and there's sensors and actuators. So the code, the actual behavior of the of the system, of the mechanism is kind of your design material and you have to work with the code to make that happen and see and then you change it and you go, go back and forth and so on. So to me, it's kind of defined in a way by a particular way of doing things, a particular process, not necessarily whatever like tactical skill you're doing hands on at the time. But to me, it's about uh, iteration. Mm -hmm. It's always about like, you know, making something more than once and uh, doing it over and over and over. And each time sort of making small improvements. That to me is design. Another thing is that uh, uh, materializing things, making things physical or visual, somehow, using physical, tangible, or or visual deliverables in some way, objects, artifacts, to make progress in a creative process, in the process of creating a product or something, uh, somehow taking steps forward towards that realization of that thing by making physical stuff iteratively. Uh, and you can adapt that to like whatever kind of design we're talking about, I think it kind of applies, it applies to fashion, it applies to architecture, it applies to graphics or software. Uh, That's how I think about it now after uh, sort of having, having like seriously studied it for like 10 years. (laughs) That's that's what I kind of arrived at. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm sure that somewhere there's a very, very like proficient, amazing designer that is working in a way that has absolutely nothing to do with what I just talked about. Yeah I'm sure that that exists.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you 100% on that on that point cuz cuz for me I think I think that everything is designed. Uh any anything that is, you know, not naturally occurring without the intervention of of human beings uh, I think every everything encompassing that in the material world is is designed. Um and also like things that don't material, but materialize. So like, um, that's where we go into the sort of the area of um, service design. Uh, So, you know, uh, a a series of steps that everybody agrees on as shared knowledge, even though it's never written anywhere, but we all know it, whether it was made by one person or by a collective of people, that's that's design. So uh, to me, I... Uh, you know, again, like you after years of sort of uh, contemplating what what it <laughs> means. Uh, uh, and when, when I was doing my PhD, I, I one day just wrote it down. And I said that design is the intelligence behind creation. And mm-hmm. this definition has always sort of, anytime I sort of held it up to, to, te- to test, it, it's it's stuck. Uh, it's stuck for me. And I, I feel like it's the one that I'm most comfortable with. Um, uh, so that's that's how I uh, define design. But before I started my PhD, uh, you know, uh, design to me was I had this abstract idea of it, You know, that we're talking about uh, the early 2010s. So, um, you know, Steve Jobs, Apple, and Johnny Ive mm. were really, really, you know, um, uh, on the scene. They're very everything's becoming very popular with the iPhone and, yeah. and Apple products, uh, the introduction of the iPad and just like watching those keynotes and then seeing yeah. those, you know, um, highly produced videos of like Johnny Ive sitting in, in, you know, with the white background and everything. And it's like chief design officer and like, just looking at him and I was like, yeah, this guy's job is to basically <laughs> make these things a reality. And like, make sure that there are like a lot of details and a lot of decisions all lead up to this thing. And I didn't know that was you know experience design or or, or what an experience is. Um, have, you,
0: have you heard of uh, Mark Newsven? Yes. Yeah, he's uh, he's like I think he's Johnny Ive's business partner now. They, they have are, a yeah. together, and this guy's like one of the most impressive designers in the world, by the mm-hmm. way. Like Johnny Ive, we know the you know the Apple stuff, and it's yeah. impressive and everything. But he doesn't like uh, speak so much out there about his process. Yeah. Mark Newson actually has uh, produced a documentary with some people. Oh, really? This was like. I think late 90s or early 2000. there's a documentary, it's a BBC documentary about uh-huh. Mark Newson, and it's like a docu-series. It's a bunch of like five or 10 episodes following this guy around uh, as he goes about, like does his projects and meets with suppliers and wow. uh, goes to like exhibitions where they're sort of uh, showing off his stuff and everything. There's a huge like whole documentary about it. And that was one of the most inspiring things that I've seen uh, professionally when I was like, uh, you know, just just starting out, I think I was in uh, university or maybe like late high school when I watched this thing. And I just thought like, wow, that is a good life to live. You know, this, this is a good thing to be doing every day. He's he's doing such, at the time he was doing like really amazing projects, uh, which were like kind of artsy, and uh, doing like weird manufacturing things on, on different objects. Um, I don't know if all of his designs have aged well. Uh, some, yeah. some probably have. Uh, I'd have to like, go back and review it. But his process was like so cool, man. Traveling all the time, going to like, he went to the marble quarry in uh, like somewhere deep in Italy. Where yeah. Leonardo da Vinci or someone like used to get his marble to to make sculptures. It's the same like marble yard, the, in the mountain where there's still, yeah, yeah, the blocks. Yeah. and he they take those blocks out and they're they're making like furniture out of them, like dinner tables and uh, uh, out of marble. yeah I mean, that it's from an engineering standpoint, the process is like massively impressive, you know, like without breaking a massive mm-hmm. piece of marble, you're making like a, a completely monolithic. Dinner table out of it with like water jet cutters and everything. It was just madness stuff yeah, stuff.
1: uh a subtractive uh, uh, manufacturing process where you start yeah, yeah. with you know a piece of uh, raw material, whether it's you know marble or wood or aluminum, shop yeah, it up, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, or aluminium, <laughs> as, yeah. as the Brits would say. Uh, that was yeah. also like one of the the fascinating things. Again, with with, with Apple and their influence on me is you know i watched that video when when they introduced the unibody macbook pro and they showed like the mm-hmm. sheet of uh, uh aluminum that was being uh engraved with the water jets um wow. and then you know just they engrave it so um tight to the surface where you look at it and you don't see anything but there is an led behind it so the led on- only shows up when it's an, it's an indicator for for the battery and that to me was just like, oh, yeah. like now, now I'm just like nerding out as, as a designer. Of like, you know, it's something that is not there. It's not taking up space. It's not grabbing your attention. But when you need it to indicate something, then it pops up. And so when I started, you know, studying, um, you know, design principles, uh, good style principles and whatever, and all those things, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. There's like a whole, everything serves a f- purpose. And that's, you know, interesting uh, yeah was that at I, the
0: university like your undergrad when you were studying those things
1: um yes yeah, so i started uh, studying uh sort of like proper design principles in my intro to hci class and that was taught by mm. dr amy hurst um uh, at, at the university of maryland about uh, baltimore county at that point and i had no idea what it was i i was like in my senior year uh doing information uh, systems and i thought you know i'm gonna uh i, I wanted to like go out into the world start you know building apps and and things like that Wait, where was this uh baltimore Can you remind
0: me which in baltimore okay
1: baltimore in in maryland in the states um wow. so i had like zero intention of going to grad school i i thought you know you had to like get really really high marks to get into grad school and i i had already you know crashed out of Pre-med and and computer science. Like my (laughs) my GPA was not the best. Um, Like I barely had like above 3.0. Like barely. Um, So I was like, you know, grad school is not an option for me. And then I took this class. And um, in the first uh, (laughs) in in our first class, Doctor Doctor Hurst Amy was like, "So why are you taking this class?" Uh, Write write down your answer. And the class is human computer interaction. And I was like, I don't know what to write here. So I wrote, I want to build an <laughs> Iron Man suit. And then years oh, wow. after, Amy came to me and she was like, I was cleaning my office and guess what I found? And like, she showed me the <laughs> paper when I wrote it. I was like, oh my God, I was so wrong about this. Oh, wow. I was like, people, computers, ah, Iron Man suit. Wow, I um, had
0: like, at the, at the time, you know, when I was studying at the university until I got to grad school, yeah, uh, which happened after I graduated. Yeah. I, I was more or less like hardcore into like engineering. I was into mm-hmm. software. Uh, yeah. I was coding all the time uh, for, for different projects, uh, even like freelancing as a, as a web oh. developer and everything. Yeah. And uh, I was very much into like not only software, but also like mechanical engineering because that's what yeah. I was studying oh. since I was like a manufacturing nerd. Yeah. Um, so that was your undergrad?
1: It was, it was mechanical yeah, engineering?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that and economics. That wow. was a, a a lot of fun because yeah. at some point i realized like i mean it, it's kind of uh, uh, that's why i asked like where you did your your schooling because it's yeah. very like geographically dependent kind of like mm-hmm. uh in in turkey there are certain sets of jobs available for uh, engineers for for computer scientists for industrial designers and so on uh incidentally engineering especially like mechanical engineering industrial engineering has some of the Broadest uh, uh, optionality available to you when you graduate, like you can take up a lot of different kinds of jobs. banks will hire you, um, cool. uh, consulting companies will hire you. Yeah. you can obviously go and do engineering, but while I was studying, I thought I just went in there believing that I would be like an engineer, you know making machines and things. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at some point I did internships at factories. Okay, so you, I just realized you do your
1: internships during, uh, during undergrad.
0: Yeah, yeah. So like the first and the second year, I think, and I did like uh, a bunch of internships where people were actually manufacturing things, you know, like house uh-huh. uh, household appliances factory and car parts factory and things like that. Uh, and I just, wow. I remember I when I actually did it, I was not as excited uh, about the actual, you know, experience of being there uh, compared to what I was sort of expecting. So I realized at that point, I'm going to have to uh investigate other sorts of uh, activities for my professional life so, so that's what why i picked up like economics. about it um it's just like the physical environment of being in a manufacturing facility every oh, day like i yeah. i still i mean i love the the stuff i still like go to these places whenever i can or like prototyping labs and stuff i have a lot of fun in those places and i love i really respect people who sort of commit to that kind of like craft or that kind of business you know it's a very a solid uh, kind of thing to do with your life. It's just that for me personally, I I, I wanted to be in other kinds of places and environments. Uh, so I took up like business and economics to study because I thought maybe that's a place where I might be interested in. I, I yeah. then actually did internships at banks and I found that that was less preferable even to <laughs> factories. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was so boring, that's, man. The financial system, not not, not any better.
1: Um, So what was the, uh, this is going to be like really different, I I think, Uh, what Mm. was the experience of like going after and getting those internships while you were uh, doing your undergrad? Was that, you know, uh, through applications or personal connections?
0: uh it was a combination of both one of them was an application uh one of them was like it was a company that my my dad's friend basically owned <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah um but they were doing like serious manufacturing you know they have a factory and i went there and did like cad models and uh, wow even just learning about all of the machines yes. that takes like two weeks you know it's a, it's basically a whole factory mm-hmm. um the uh, the bank was also again through uh, an acquaintance. I think it was through my cousin who was yeah. in that industry at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I find that usually, like you know, people listening to this uh, yeah. most probably are sort of younger people. That's what I'm expecting, who are uh, looking into these kinds of careers, considering maybe like a PhD in design, human computer interaction, whatever. I can say to them 100% that uh, personal connections are the best way to get jobs anywhere, oh, everywhere I would in say the world. That. I would say that too, Somehow, Yeah, same thing in the like States. Applications are actually, I would say today, I would say that uh, I think they call it inbound marketing. You know, if you if you present yourself out there mm-hmm. uh, and your customers, clients, employers, or whoever, they come to you and make offers, that is the best feeling in the world. That's the way, best way to get things <laughs> if you're yeah. able to do that. But at, when you're starting out at the very beginning of your career, that will never be a thing. And yeah, you know, the, the so personal connections.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I had the same experience. Like I was, I was applying a lot, uh, when I was in undergrad. And then when I, so I didn't do any, any pause between undergrad and grad school. So I went straight from undergrad into the master, uh, my first master's ah. degree. And that's because of that class that I took with, uh, with Amy, where I started going to her research lab and got mm-hmm. involved with the research project. Um, and then, uh, you know, I was, I was doing good work and, uh, she offered me a, uh, um, uh, to, to go to grad school and work at her lab because there was a grant, oh, nice. uh, that, that was funded. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, sure. I get to, you know, think and design and, 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 and get paid for that, 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 uh, you know, even though I was being paid pennies, um, that, that yeah. felt, <laughs> that felt amazing. And then I got a, um. Uh, I got a fellowship uh, from the National Science Foundation NSF fellowship, which paid mm-hmm. for my two years of um, uh, of my master's. Um, so, did you mm-hmm. did you uh, pause between grad school? Did, did you go into work uh, between undergrad and grad school?
0: I did go into work, but it was really great that you brought up like grants and scholarships yeah. and things. By the way, because that's definitely something we should. Uh, tell people about when yeah. we're talking about the design phd there's a major aspect of it of and course yeah. for, for certain people for certain situations it's an amazing opportunity uh, sorry to pause
1: uh, uh right here can you hear any background noise on my end
0: a little like reverb i hear but, okay, but i think
1: do you hear like machinery or anything like that because there is like construction outside my window
0: not when I you're know. not talking. I think when you're not talking, there's like a noise gate or noise reduction thing. But when okay. you're talking on top of it, I can hear it a little bit. I'm, right. I'm going to try some. Can you talk now?
1: Uh, test testing.
0: And now it has cleaned up a bit because I turned off like the original sound okay. thing. Right. But I I'll, think it might. It, I'll find that really out hard.
1: when I when I open the audio file. Hopefully,
0: it's usable. I have a I have a friend who's an audio engineer. He's really good yeah I recorded the podcast a while ago. It was like completely fucked up, yeah, uh, from the noise because we use wireless earbuds. Mm. Never yeah. do that by the way, when you're doing a podcast, absolutely no wireless headphones, no okay. wireless microphones uh nothing wireless basically nothing wireless yeah <laughs> uh, yeah, and I had like incredible noise on yeah. the thing, and like anything above like eight thousand hertz or something it was gone oh wow uh, it does it doesn't exist because the head yeah. t- like for the wireless signal, it just yeah. compresses it out, it cuts it out um. So, but my friend saved it basically he, oh, he made it a really nice sounding piece of piece All of right, i might hit,
1: hit you up for for that front connection. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, uh
0: yeah,
1: yeah, we were talking about uh talking about grants yeah
0: yeah we should we should get back to that um yeah. but you know i I did work uh a little for a little bit i think it was like close to a year but not not a full year uh after I graduated from university before mm-hmm. I went into the master's. I mean, the, the funny thing is like human-computer interaction, uh, interaction design, these are sort of the main uh, activity areas that I've been doing my work in the last like 10 years or so. Yeah. I was not aware that these things existed until the day that I actually started doing it as a job. They did not exist at my university at the time. Uh, I that like There wasn't even a course as far as I, I could tell, or I wasn't aware of it somehow, I just missed out on it. Uh, because we didn't really have a design uh faculty at the time mm-hmm. we did have computer science but i don't i don't know if they were offering anything like design connected um and then i i graduated and i started working for a while and at some point i was bored you know like i have yeah. like a job in e-commerce um <laughs> and i i have this creative urge you know in mm-hmm. any job where i'm not like sort of doing uh programming or graphics or something like that it's it's kind of Uh, I I discovered through these years that is that that's what I enjoy doing anyway, uh, I started looking at different things I could do like what jobs are out there. uh, Can I make a living maybe like as a freelance designer and developer um and i it, i did try it out for a while but you know that goes back to the parents thing that you were talking about my yeah. parents didn't like uh the fact that i was a freelancer <laughs> They thought <laughs> yeah, i should be doing like something more respectable or whatever yeah even though my dad was a freelancer that's but he was like a more senior kind of consultant <laughs> anyhow um um yeah i was looking around and uh the hci program it was called design technology and society so this was a new program at my university that was being started and, by a new and what professor. time is that what what year was that oh this is like 2011 or something okay uh and he was just starting this thing like completely creating this new graduate program a new lab it was called the design lab wow and he was like really sort of he was hired to make this happen like bring design into my university it was, it's called Koç university in turkey and where um, did he study he uh, is an architect by training oh
1: okay yep
0: uh, so he comes from it always like comes fine back arts to the architects architecture and the psychologists
1: yeah. when it comes yeah. to, to HCI.
0: <laughs> there were a lot of psychologists involved yeah. so there was more psychologists and uh, architects and graphic designers and things than mm-hmm. computer scientists in this yeah. it was actually uh, under the school it was under the graduate school of social sciences that this yeah. was started
1: yeah. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. Like even like, you know, our, our big conference Kai it started out as human factors by psychologists in yeah. like 1983. Um, yeah, so, yeah. so it makes a lot of sense. And, and, and then, you know, computers, and that was like the time when personal computers with, you know, the Apple and the Apple II and everything, that's when they started coming into people's yeah. lives. And as you know, and so then in yeah. the nineties and things like that, that's when we uh, had more computers. And I think by now it was like, what 40 30 years after um mm. now that computers are basically everywhere where we're finally sort of like oh you know computer science and 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 humanity should really really talk to each other um yeah so you back to your uh to to your department anyway
0: yeah i mean it's it's kind of become like a basic fact of life you know it's a part of the basic material of life all these computers and everything you could make the argument that actually you know doing computer specific you know, sociology or whatever, like these kinds of HCI research yeah. things is, is not as interesting anymore because you can just, you might as well just go and do sociology and <laughs> just take up computers as your subject matter. That's like a totally normal thing to do these days yeah. because it's everywhere. Uh, but anyhow, so that story was like, I mean, we, we basically created the first HCI department and the first design lab in Turkey, as wow. far as I can, as far as I'm aware. Like I was on the first team uh, as a grad student um, but the way that that it worked at at that place, at that university, at that department, at that lab was it was more like a job. Mm-hmm. It was a research job, basically. I was expected to publish even as a master's student. Yeah. Uh, and I did uh, a lot of engineering, and I did a lot of yeah, like human centered research experiments, user studies, kinds of things. Um, and I published a couple of papers, so it was like a mini PhD in a way. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Yeah. Same, same thing that I did with my masters. I was, I also like, I went into into the PhD program with, um, I think like seven papers. I wasn't like the first author on that, oh, wow. but, but I was a co-author. Yeah, and wow, okay, um,
0: that is impressive. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of papers. <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: and and that really helped me, you know, get it, get into the only PhD program that I got into. I applied to like five different ones, and I only got into one mm. at, at the University of Washington. Uh, but my advisor, uh, Jake Bobrock, he he recognized, uh, you know, that uh, I I I have those skills. That I can actually, you know, participate in, and publish a paper, uh, which is which is not really a necessity uh, or a, re- a requirement, but definitely when you're like looking into getting a PhD, it definitely gives you a leg up.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we were we were hiring people recently. Like we had uh, a grant, and people were applying for PhD positions, and uh, the people who have done. The work before, like there are certain things that you're expected to do when you're a PhD, yeah. And uh, we'll we'll get into them in a moment. But uh, the people who have done those things, like scientific publishing or certain kinds of engineering, certain kinds of uh, design research, they definitely pull ahead. You know, if you have a document, if you have an artifact yep. of your previous work uh, that you can show. And I can look at that and I can see that, okay, this guy knows how to do this job that mm-hmm. I also need to be done. So exactly, I might as will hire this guy to do it, you know? Yeah. That's how I got my
1: job in the, uh, and, and got the offer to do my master's is that I, I went to, to Dr. Hurst uh, and I was like, Hey, I, I made a thing at the, at the time yeah. I was uh, I was uh, working as a, as a medical interpreter at Johns Hopkins and I was, and I basically saw a problem. I was being called into, I was like an on-call interpreter and I was being called whenever. So like to,
0: to a different language than English.
1: Yeah. Arabic and English.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. So I was being called whenever doctors were doing their rounds to ask the same questions. Like, do you have any pain? (laughs) How, how severe that pain, whatever. And it's only like for five minutes, and you know, I I got to charge the entire hour, which was great for me. But basically, I was like leaving <laughs> leaving school, driving like half an hour to get to where I where I need to go, parking, paying for parking, and then you know have to validate my parking later. And you know, for for a, a like an undergrad student, that's just like oh, wow. it's it's a lot. This um, is when
0: what year is this? Like 2013?
1: Yeah, yeah, 2012, 2013. Yeah, this is um,
0: before zoom was invented yeah exactly
1: <laughs> and also like internet connection, maybe. internet connection is not is not a thing and also you're dealing with medical uh um uh situations so there is hipaa compliance mm-hmm. you can't really use any software uh, so it has to
0: be secure oh yeah connection. okay um
1: anyway so you know in-person interpretation was a thing so i like that was how i taught myself how to code and and write html i made like a little web app that was mobile optimized for like iphones and stuff where i had these previously um like uh, previously written scenarios of like what questions or what statements you need to make and you, you select yourself whether it was called interpreter like an instant interpreter um, wow. I had like an entire branding and everything. And, you know, you select, are you a caregiver? Are you like an admin person? You're checking somebody in? Or are you the patient? And if you are the patient, then it's, it said that in Arabic, in your, your own language, to know where, where, where to start. And I was doing wow. all of that intuitively. Like, I, I just like, you know, thought about it and designed it because of like, I wanted to solve this problem. Um, and I didn't know that
0: you're just basically replacing yourself with software.
1: Exactly. Yeah. That's a
0: very smart thing to do, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, nobody used it. Not a single person used it. I like it, it was a piece of software that had zero users beside myself. Um, but I basically took it, took it to Dr. Hurst and I was like, Hey, I made this thing. And basically I don't know what to do next. And she was like, come work for me and then that's how i started like my journey to to go into grad school
0: wow yeah that's so cool one of the projects one of the first projects that i did was uh uh, i I think it had like five or 10 users i made it like it was like a custom built um uh it was a business application it was for a marble quarry you know we were talking Uh about the the marble that Mark Newson was getting, it was not that one, this was in yeah. Turkey. <laughs> but uh, they took these stones out of the mountain and they needed like categorize these slabs into different brands and different qualities and things. And there was like five or 10, like high level people at the company, like these managers and engineers who actually yeah. made this decision. So they had to get on a car and drive to the quarry every day to like inspect the stones and uh, make the decision of like what category and what brand is going to what's, what's going to be the price and things like that. Yeah, and uh, then they try to use their like emailing pictures back and forth between them and, and like one of the users, by the way, at least one of the users is a uh, quarry worker. Mm-hmm. So you, you have like 10 users who so like nine are managers and one of them is a guy who works at a quarry wearing a hard hat so. <laughs> The same piece of software was supposed to let them accomplish this thing without using email yeah. because that was getting very, very messy. Yeah. Uh, and they had like, they could vote on the stones. And like one guy came in and made the decision and everything. That was one of the first projects that I did. They, they were like, at the end of it, they were begging me to like, keep doing the project, but <laughs> I, j- I just couldn't, I had to do other projects. So I had yeah. to find them another developer. And then I had to find them another developer. Like they loved it. Wow. You see, it's like that not was... <laughs> every project
1: has to be, you know, the next Facebook or anything like that. Sometimes yeah, yeah. you just need to, you know, make a piece of technology to to help people accomplish something uh, faster yeah, or it, more efficient. And they or did
0: just, pay, by yeah. the way. Like, I wasn't doing this for fun. Like, I bought oh, wow. a new laptop, basically. Uh, <laughs> Or they actually bought me the laptop because they I think expensed it on the company or something. <laughs> but that was my you, payment, like oh, brand you got, new Mac you got paid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was that was a lot of fun. But this was before, like uh, I I learned about you know user centered design and everything. Mm-hmm. This was yeah. before that. Um, I and I realized afterwards that what I was doing at that time was very much user centered design because I was talking yeah. to them all the time. Um. The, the, the son of the guy who owned the quarry obviously was my friend. So we sat down together for like hours and, you know, did the interface together. And I mean, he wasn't like coding or anything. It was just yeah. telling me what to do. you, you and was like, okay, let's do it like this. Yeah. Super fast, rapid iteration. You know, it was so much fun. Yeah.
1: And how did you feel when you like started looking back at it after you were introduced to like human centered design and design thinking process?
0: um i tried to write a paper on it Uh um but that that actually never happened i don't know why i could have done it at the time yeah uh today it probably doesn't i I don't even remember a lot of the things but i think (laughs) also i didn't like document it properly at the time so when i studied uh the process in grad school i think um what the skill that i gained mainly was rather than doing it because i kind of intuitively did it already the skill that i gained was being able to like talk about it Mm -hmm. and that was one of the things that i actually struggled with when i was freelancing so i was doing these projects for people uh for a couple of like heavy industry companies legal offices you know i was doing a lot of websites um uh, uh different kinds of digital artifacts for different kinds of businesses uh but i couldn't do like any kind of marketing. I couldn't articulate what it is yeah. that I'm doing. I couldn't describe my process. I couldn't even put together forms or checklists or flowcharts or whatever that I could use myself uh-huh. from client to client. I didn't have that ability at the time. And when I went to grad school and learned about like human-centered design and everything, that gives you like a recipe that you can follow. Yeah. You can put that on your website and you can say, hey, I'm doing human-centered software development. Yep. And then people kind of know what, what you're doing. And- Not a it, lot of
1: people, but some people.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you, you sort of expand your, you know, we were saying that inbound uh, is, is, is a great way to get Yeah. Uh, professional opportunities you know if you have a website with like case studies Mm -hmm. or whatever absolutely it's a great way to find customers otherwise you will you will only be working for uh your friend's dad and like you have so many (laughs) friends you know (laughs) yeah it's you can't you can't work for your friend's parents all your life no it's a great way to get started but like uh, did you just get some experience yeah yeah
1: so so how did you get into um uh, we t- we talked a little bit about how how you got into the phd program um but uh we we said we we're gonna touch on uh grants and and funding yeah. and things like that because that's a huge thing because you know yeah. if, for anybody listening like do not pay to go to grad school like <laughs> like don't don't, yeah, don't pay for it out of pocket
0: i mean this is because and I put this in the notes too like this is how yeah. I would define even like the phd and i i I mean, there's probably other kinds of PhDs that don't fit this definition. But for mm-hmm. me, the way that I experienced it, it was basically an entry-level job where you make science. Like it's yep. the most junior job that you can have as a scientist. Yeah. It, it is a job. You're doing science. You're expected to produce science. Yeah. Uh, or or research in in like if, because there are fields that don't like to call themselves science, but you know you're supposed to do like creating knowledge, research. Yeah. Contributing and new that's, knowledge. Yes. That's the entry-level job. You know, you start as an intern or a junior designer if you want to get into a design career. If you want to get into an academic scientific career, you yeah. start as a PhD student. That's the path.
1: Yeah. And it's and it's a, like, uh, uh, depending on how long it, it takes you, like a five, five six years uh, apprenticeship where you're really yeah. like honing those skills. And at the end of it, and that's the cool thing, is that you you have all this breadth of skills that you've developed by being the most junior, you know, scientists working on a project. But, but at the end of it, uh, after many projects, you really start carving out your niche where you become essentially the world's leading expert on this one particular thing, because yeah, like that would very be small, your thing. It's, it's very yeah. small. It's very narrow, but you're pushing everybody's understanding, you know, forward you're you're contributing something that nobody but you has thought about in this specific way so uh which is something like really really neat and you know it gives it gives a lot of um uh satisfaction on on a lot Mm -hmm. of different levels so you know that's why like a lot of people still do phds because like the hours are insane the the pay is not
0: great (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, hours don't have to be insane by the way that changes from country true. to country place to place you know professor yeah. to professor uh, that is very person true. to person even
1: but there is there is a uh there is like a, this entire narrative you know there is the yeah. cultural aspect of academia of like oh uh mm. you know even though it's uh it's being combated a lot right now that you know your yeah. your worth doesn't have to be tied to how many hours you spend in the lab um, and again, you know, a lot of faculty that are amazing, especially a lot, a lot of faculty I worked with, um, and very understanding. But that still exists, and like you said, from country to country, field to field, where yeah. where you're expected to, you know, spend in eighty-hour weeks or something like as, that.
0: As a dude, as a general principle, I'm kind of averse to uh, systems, jobs, people, organizations, whatever, which which measure your Your contribution or your worth by your input. I think it's it's at least for me. I would like to be measured by my output. Absolutely. Uh, And that that means you know I'm I'm expected to produce some kind like that's how I like to work. You know I think Mm -hmm. about the output and like whatever is necessary to create that I will create it. Yeah. But if I if I manage to produce that output in like uh, one hour, then I'm not going to waste like the the next seven hours of the day trying to look busy or something. That's exactly kind of a Uh, measuring people by output I think is a better Mm -hmm. way than the input yeah which brings me to a little
1: bit of a tangent especially because we're talking about design and creative work and things like that is that don't if you're especially like as a freelancer or something like that don't, Mm -hmm. don't charge by the hour like that's not no, fair yeah, to man. anybody <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah like uh you know, I know uh look look up the future and chris and and all and all that work that they've yeah. put up on on youtube and, and every social media yeah. about like value-based pricing
0: because there's a book about it it's written by a guy called blair ends blair ends uh, yeah his, the, he the has is, the uh,
1: two bobs podcast i think Ah, um, okay yeah, yeah the um, book is
0: called the win without pitching manifesto, without pitching so manifesto.
1: yeah it is a really no. good book but yeah so like especially as you're developing your craft and you're becoming better and better at it uh you mm-hmm. know one thing that takes you an hour but you shouldn't charge yeah. you know what for just one hour like you should charge for how much this is Worth to like, whoever you, you're given like, it. So, I mean, yeah, it makes output.
0: sense. Like, are you going to charge more for being slower? Exactly. Is that, is that you know, <laughs> if like, if I do the same thing in like one hour versus five hours, shouldn't I be charging more even? Yeah. <laughs> But I, I would also say that, uh, you know, these conventions actually vary a lot between countries, like a lot of these mm-hmm. resources uh, that I also enjoy, like Blair Ends or yeah. uh, Cristo and the future on, on the topics of like design, you know, business or whatever, yeah. they are actually very much... Focusing on more like an American marketer culture. Absolutely. In Sweden, for example, uh, it's very, very normal, even like standard, to measure work and uh, uh, salary and everything by hours, and to make those contracts and everything by hours. Yeah, yeah. That's it's a system that everybody understands, and it's like really hard to sort of uh, battle that. Like at the end of the day. Uh, you and your client or employer can come to an agreement where it's hundred percent based on results mm-hmm. but usually the contract and the you know the accounting of it will be somehow done in hours so oh. that there's also that dimension of it it's sort of like a business standard in terms of the legal and accounting system
1: I see so had you, you done any work where, where it was like value-based pricing but you had to uh, you know, write up the contract or or, or the uh, or the invoice by like putting in a number by of hours?
0: hours. Yes, yes, I'm doing it right now, actually. Uh, in 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 a number of cases. Yeah. In many cases, like there, the the somehow the hours always creeps into the contract. <laughs> and it's <laughs> yeah, it's just the whole it's the accounting system and the legal system and the labor laws and everything of the country.
1: Wow, that's fascinating. It's it's good to yeah. know that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: but it's a very like egalitarian very kind of uh, f- fair, I guess, uh, system, mm-hmm. compared to a lot of other places. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, I would say it's acceptable, you know, you find, you find ways like, you, like, what exactly is your hour worth? That's yeah. always uh, something that you can decide on between, yeah. uh, between yourself and the other party yeah unfortunately you can't really negotiate that in a phd (laughs) Ah, yeah yeah that's when it's a grant that's usually not possible exactly Um, and but uh, there are different ways like we can do another episode on it like being creative with grants because i've been in certain situations where uh well the rate was not negotiated but uh because you can definitely like you can participate as an employee. You can be mm-hmm. a PhD student, right? Yeah. But that is not the only way to get involved in scientific research projects and contribute to science. Yeah, and we can do that. Uh so we can talk about how that happens actually at some other point. Yeah. Um yeah.
1: Um we are actually getting onto the hour mark. I, I was I was hoping yeah. that we would do a, a, a short episode <laughs> for like 30 minutes, but once we got talking, um oh, yeah. he, so we we said we were gonna talk about like PhDs and we ended up yes. talking mostly about our journey and how to get yeah into a PhD. So uh, yeah. I wanna close out by saying um uh, he, uh as far as you know getting a PhD it's a very personal decision. And uh, I don't think that you need a PhD unless you want to be Mm -hmm. like a tenure track professor or work in a field and a job that requires a PhD. And those Mm -hmm. are highly specific, like, um, I don't know, you you know, being a uh, rocket fuel scientist or something like that, uh, you probably don't, don't need, need a PhD. So it's, you gotta, you, you, when, when you're making that decision uh, for yourself, I, like I said, it's very personal. You have to think about uh, more than what can you do with a PhD? Like, because you're going to be spending mm-hmm. a lot of time, you're going to spend a lot of effort and you're going to be making a relationship that lasts for a bunch of years with a person uh, who's going to be your advisor and then your committee and all of those things. So yeah, um, what, I like, those are things that I would, that I wish somebody had told me before I did my PhD just to keep it in mind, not, not, you know, because I would do things differently or anything like that. Uh, I'm uh, not at all, but like, as I, in my thought processes, as I'm approaching this period of life, Uh, is that it is more than oh I need a PhD because I want to get you know a multi-hundred dollar hundred thousand dollar job or something like that like that's not or because I want to be a professor it's like well why do you want to be a professor like you know Mm. try to
0: try to you know think about your your why uh before before you embark
1: on the commitment
0: possibilities are all things that we could do like future episodes on maybe oh yeah those are because uh, those options are what you're basically creating like, you know, you, there, it is possible for, for certain kinds of PhDs to go on to make like uh, a couple of hundred thousand a year jobs or whatever yeah. as scientists yeah. uh, at, at in certain kinds of industries that, that does exist. Uh, but maybe we can we can leave those for a later episode. There yeah. was something that you said at some point, and it's really funny now that we kind of sat down here. Aiming to talk about something which was like, you know, what what even is a PhD, which involves Mm -hmm. like human-computer interaction and design, and then we kind of ended up talking about another thing, and that kind of was very, uh, uh, yeah. Incidentally, I wanted to uh, to touch on something when you were talking about how you should become like the 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 expert on like something narrow, something very specific, but you're like the world's leading expert, you know, when you do your PhD. I, I want to say that, you know, if, if anyone in our audience, like if you're doing a PhD right now, or starting one or whatever, and you haven't found that thing, don't worry, man, like, oh, I, yeah. I, I I have found it in my final years, like I was writing my thesis, uh, as I decided what it was going to be about, like, what is the theme? What is the What am I saying? What is like my actual uh what is like the content of my my am i just like misspeaking nonsense or like yeah. actually saying something <laughs> what is it that i want to tell the world by writing this like thesis or book or whatever those things i figured out in the in the final months or something so yeah that is something that it it goes iteratively especially in creative fields like design so in chemistry medicine or whatever maybe there's less uh room for that kind of thing and you have to have mm-hmm. your hypotheses set from the start and everything yeah. but uh, a, a design PhD is extremely flexible. Yep. And uh, it's a really fun thing to do uh, for, for that reason, among others. Yeah, l- uh, absolutely. Very well said. Because, you know, uh, like you said,
1: for for other fields, you know, where we're dealing with like physical things like chemistry or physics or something like a hydrogen atom is a hydrogen atom. But, <laughs> you know, with design, when we're dealing with people and human behavior, and and subjective things, it varies a lot. So like, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, like there is a lot of stress about uh, having, you know, your idea and what you want to contribute and things like that. But, you know, you find that along the journey, Um, uh, just just how we we completely sort of derailed what we yeah. set on to talk about today and, and we'll like definitely... you are
0: probably going to do you can change the title and change the abstract or whatever of your uh-huh. work and yeah. still have a very legitimate and valuable piece of work that's out absolutely. there absolutely
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it, it is it is all part of the the beautiful scientific process
0: yeah because you set out to do something sometimes and then you realize you've done something else but then you know you don't want to uh, instead of throwing that away you can yeah. you can change the the, the focus of uh the conversation to 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 sort of bring out the things that you actually have done
1: mm-hmm.
0: um like maybe what should we call this episode then so what is the name of this episode going to be now um i it's think we journey. should call
1: something something like origins journey <laughs> to, origins oh, yeah. part 1 yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> to the to, to the mountain and back what was yeah. the what was the <laughs> the, yeah. the hobbit thing all right uh, anything you again? want to say yeah. in closing Uh yeah, I just did. That was that was my closing statement. Cool, good
1: closing (laughs) statement. All right, Um, man. No, actually,
0: I yeah, this is. I just remembered this story. Um, uh, I do make a podcast, (laughs) another one, not this one. Yeah, uh, but and also a YouTube channel and everything, and it's actually designed to be a really great entry point into the world of uh, advanced study and and sort of you know research and uh, practice of design and computer science and technology and the intersections of those things it's called design discipline mm-hmm. and uh i don't i don't know if it is a great entry point but that's kind of the aspiration that's what i'm trying to make it into so we have articles and videos and everything uh which is uh, uh, supposed to be a, a little more so you, you, you this podcast for example is evolving to be a more uh general thing kind yep. of uh, uh, a way of like getting people into this world and if you're already into this world or if you're putting like serious hours into exploring it i think uh what i'm trying to do over there is to be the starting point for that
1: yeah it's uh as the name implies it's very disciplined uh, the design, <laughs> design discipline it's very uh, it, it, you, you're putting a lot of work in it and the, the production value is really, uh, really worth it. It's properly designed. I highly recommend Thank people you. Go, Thank go, you. go check it out. Um, for, for this yeah. channel, I'm just starting with, with conversations, something very laid back uh for people
0: you know to to listen to uh, i love it uh, man
1: doing the dishes or driving or something like that it's so so good we, we yeah. need that
0: <laughs> but, you know the funny story is the reason i named it design discipline is that i actually personally have very very little discipline <laughs> so if i i thought if i call my project <laughs> design discipline then i will sort of force myself into being more disciplined in some ways <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, i think i think it's actually it's actually working you're putting you're putting out <laughs> very great content so thank you uh, until until next time thank you so much um, and we'll continue this conversation and hopefully get back to the point about you know uh how to get into a design phd and what does it mean to get a design phd in the next episode